Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. listening welcome to this week's edition of the sports rivals and we have got an absolute packed show for you ernie there's so much going on in the world of sports crazy week in the nfl quarterbacks being traded khalil mack being traded deshaun watson criminal talk that came out today that we'll get into as well major league baseball ends their lockout free agency starts today clayton kershaw staying with the los angeles dodgers for at least one more year Crazy NBA, the Sixers and the Nets last night in Philadelphia, an unexpected result, at least from my perspective, and March Madness, the conference tournament so far, has been absolutely nuts, upsets galore, but Ernie, let's start with the NFL. Okay. What a week. I mean, (laughs) Russell Wilson gets traded, Aaron Rodgers decides to stay, but Russell Wilson gets traded. Your thoughts on that incredible huge trade? Yeah, I mean that was that was one of the the that was actually outside of Aaron Rodgers initial because that report came out earlier. Uh you know, Russell Wilson's news came out kind of like a little like trumped that because we thought, I mean, all the news came out that Was- that the Washington Commanders were actually putting out uh, you know, the bid on on Russell Wilson. Uh, the, I guess the Denver Broncos, they must be thinking that they are right there. Uh, you know, the iron is hot and they, they need a quarterback. I think that's the, the, the piece that they, they, they want. Uh, you know, with, uh, with, with Russell Wilson out there, uh, they went gangbusters as far as, you know, what they were offering the, the Seahawks there with, uh, you know, a couple of first, couple of seconds, and then a, a draft choice along with, you know, some g- Good uh, contributing players, including Noah Fant, their their fabulous tight end over there. Uh, so a tremendous haul for you know Russell Wilson. But if you know if, if you believe, then you believe. And I, there's rumblings out there that they're they're trying to even get uh, Von Miller to get back onto that that defense, which is a very stout defense. So if if Russell Wilson can team up with you know their their the specialty uh, people. Uh, in the, on the Denver roster, that defense is is ready to complement. Yeah, so I think as big as a deal as it was, and you're right, they three players, Drew Locke will probably be the starter, at least in the short run for the Seattle Seahawks. Noel Fant, one of the best young tight ends in the league, and Shelby Harris, a defensive line starter, who will start for the for the Hawks, plus the five draft picks. Um, the thing that struck me though is they didn't give up any real marquee players. Noah Font was probably the one that was the most painful for them, mm-hmm. but they pretty much kept their wide receiver group intact. Right. You still have Jerry Judy. You still have Corton Sutton. You still have Tim Patrick, who's can play like a tight end, and you still have A.J. Hamler. You know, a couple of those were injured this year, but they come back. You still have Javante Williams. You have a good line, and you have the defense virtually intact. Um Denver obviously thought they had to do something in that AFC West, Ernie. I mean, what an incredible division. You already have the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes there. And now you have Denver going all in with Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. You have the Chargers with Justin Herbert. They trade for Khalil Mack as well, which we'll get into in a little bit. And then you have the Raiders. It was just the Broncos believe. 
I mean, I think you look at the last two years, Tampa Bay, add Brady, win the championship. You look at the Rams, my Rams this year, add Stafford, they win the championship. And I, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, this is a copycat league. Mm -hmm. And for teams that believe they're one player away, especially that quarterback player, it makes sense to go all in. And as big as a, a bounty as the Seahawks got in this regard, I believe the both teams can feel very good, at least at this point, about the trade I mean Russell Wilson didn't want to be there anymore I mean I think that was pretty obvious mm -hmm. he was wanting to get out um, and the Seahawks personnel wise has taken a step back now they get a chance to reload and Denver wanted to go all in I mean it's a uh, right now it looks like both teams got what they wanted it remains to be seen though yeah I mean for right, right now with just the potential I mean and this is all speculation the Denver Broncos are gonna have to win a Super Bowl they're going to have to be very competitive, you know, for at least the next two years uh, remaining on Russell Wilson's contract. If, if they don't do that, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be viewed at uh, and they don't retain Russell Wilson after that. It's going to be viewed as, uh, you know, a big haul in for the Seattle Seahawks. So, you know what? That's the gamble you're going to have to take. I think their their front office, you know, uh, took a roll of the dice and, you know, they were confident, you know, but who knows? Who knows if. Especially with the Deshaun Watson news today, you know, that he's going to be dismissed. Now, I don't know if there's going to be, you know, other other types of suits. I don't know if there's if civil suits uh, come into play later on uh, and how that's going to, uh, uh, you know, affect his, uh, you know, availability in the NFL. But who knows? If, if that had happened, let's say the week prior, who knows if this thing has, would, would have been, been made. And, you know, because when, when you have just the talents of Aaron Rodgers out there, and Russell Wilson, uh, the pickings are, are are low. I mean, it's 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 the have and the have-nots. If Deshaun Watson was over there, the bounty probably would have been a lot smaller. Well, you know what? And I think I think it seems as if Denver had must have had multiple trades in place. It must have been a similar deal for Aaron Rodgers because the Russell Wilson trade comes one hour after Aaron Rodgers announces that he's going to stay in Green Bay. For a reported four years and 200 million um but i think that for the broncos as good as aaron Rodgers can be i believe russell wilson is the better fit and this is why one he's 33 and aaron Rodgers is going to be 39 38 39 so i think if you're going to give up this many assets you want to feel good that you're going to be able to keep russell wilson in a productive fashion for at least the next five years so I think that way it's better. And I got to think that they wouldn't have made this deal unless they thought that they were going to extend him or be able to keep him uh, from a long term. Now, let's discuss from the Denver Broncos. I understand going all in, but that AFC is just flat out nasty. So even if they're much better than they were last year, and last year they finished 7-10, and 10, they lost five games by six points or less, Russell Wilson legitimately could reverse those five games but even if he does they're 12 and 5 that doesn't win them the division they get into the playoffs mm -hmm. does this make them the team to beat in the afc i you know what i don't know about the team to beat they are definitely within the, in that conversation with the buffalo bills exactly. and the kansas city chiefs exactly exactly i i i think just because just because of their defense. Now, it remains to be seen how he f affects that offense. And uh, I don't think you can really judge 
that team on that their offensive prowess at least until midseason. So we're gonna we're gonna wait and see. I think it puts them in the conversation, but it's gonna be tough. I mean, I I, I would still say I mean if, if if I were to put odds on on this, I would still say Kansas City and Buffalo are above the the Broncos in in this particular case. I mean, I uh, you know what be, because of the the you know the consistency fact they've been there. They've been there, and it still remains to be seen what uh, Cincinnati does on their offseason. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they're, they're going to add to that offensive line. Cincinnati has a plenty cap space, guys. So, you know, if they start making a move in free agency and, uh, you know, and, and, and filling those holes in the position, there's nobody who can say that they're not going to be a contender also. Yeah, so I think this makes De- Denver definitely a playoff team right whether i would make them the favorite at this point in time remains to be seen um russell wilson definitely makes them more viable russell wilson definitely makes them a better team uh and russell wilson definitely is going to bring some tremendous excitement to denver i can tell you this i have a daughter who lives in the seattle area and on the day that the trade came out there was a lot of sadness in that town (laughs) so in the morning you have Russell Wilson being traded, and that was hard enough for people to take. In the afternoon, they release Bobby Wagner, another Hall of Famer to be. Your two offensive captain, defensive captain, your two superstars that have been there for the last decade, both gone from Seattle on the same day. It was pretty hard for those Seattle people to take, Ernie. I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. I, I would bet the chatter really came up on the Steeler boards on Bobby Wagner. You know, so we were very, as a Steeler Nation, we're, we're looking at that very closely. Well, there's so many people that are looking at it closely. I know that all three teams in the NFC West have already made offers for him. And uh, Bobby Wagner's from L.A. So we're hopeful <laughs> that Bobby Wagner wants to go there. If we lose Von Miller, we lose a pass rusher, we strengthen our middle linebacker with Bobby Wagner. Hey, I'll take that. So... Um, that remains to be seen. So in lesser deals, let's talk a little bit. But before we get to Carson Wentz, so the, you talked about the commanders going after Russell Wilson. They settled for Carson Wentz. But before we get to that, let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Okay. Because today, I think, and we're recording on a Friday today for release on Monday because I have a, a family emergency to attend to. But it was just released within the last couple of hours that Deshaun Watson is not going to be charged criminally Mm -hmm. for any of the accusations so he feels vindicated at this point in time of course there's still 22 civil lawsuits that are out there but i think this has lit a fire to the point where i have heard from people like adam schefter um, that they expect that deshaun watson could be traded as soon as in the next 48 hours right right and one of the reasons for that is he has a 17 million dollar bonus that kicks in five days after the league the league year kicks in. So they have essentially 10 days to trade them or they're going to have to pay them $17 million uh, as a roster bonus for this year. So look for Deshaun Watson to be traded within the next few days. Your thoughts though. I mean, as a team that's looking for a quarterback and your Steelers are certainly one of those teams that are looking for a quarterback right now. Right. Um, would you take Deshaun Watson knowing that this is out there even if there's no criminal charges, he'll probably get, let's say, five or six game suspension. Um, is he worth the risk and the three number ones plus to go get a quarterback who's still 26 years old? Yeah, I mean, the talent is obvious. I mean, but what's what it's going to take? I mean, 
Uh, that type of haul for a player like Deshaun Watson, who hasn't played for the last year, is I, I think that prices them out of the Steelers market. You know, they had a better shot trying to get, uh, uh, you know, Russell Wilson with a, you know, a, a lot smaller contract that they, they could swallow, at, at least for the immediate year as far as cap space is concerned. What Deshaun, uh, you know, getting, th there's just so many holes that the Steelers got to fill in. They have to fill in for that offensive line, at least on two positions. Uh, they, they let go. They're probably going to let go Schobert. They're probably going to need a middle linebacker. They're going to be uh, needing a defensive line because it's so aged. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster is probably going to lead. They're probably going to need a wide receiver. There, there's just so many other pieces that they need to put together. Yes, they're probably going to have thirty something million dollars, but Deshaun is forty, so they're going to. I mean. Yeah. So you're saying that you wouldn't trade T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Najee Harris and three number ones for Deshaun Watson? I, 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 I wouldn't trade T.J. Watt or Min, Minka Fitzpatrick flat out for Deshaun Watson. Somebody is, though. You know, so let's speculate a little bit just because of the fun of it. Because you've taken the Denver Broncos out of it. Green Bay has got their quarterback, you know, obviously with, with Rodgers staying. The obvious teams that need quarterbacks. I think Seattle's starting over. I don't think they're going to make this trade with Russell Wilson to give up a tremendous amount of assets to go get Deshaun Watson. That doesn't make sense to me. So, if the Steelers are not after him, the obvious teams that are still looking for a quarterback that are close to me are the Colts after getting rid of Carson Wentz and having literally nothing left okay. and the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins have always been hard for Deshaun Watson. Do they get back in the Deshaun Watson uh, race or are they truly committed to Tua? I yeah I mean it it re it really matters I think they can get rid of Tua because that that'll lessen to me the bounty on top of that I mean they'll still have to absorb the contract but Miami's got decent cap space you know they release a couple of players or include them in the trade that they can they can definitely make the room uh, I'm actually looking at uh, a team that I, I mean. It, is Tampa Bay? Yeah, I was thinking Tampa Bay and New Orleans are, again, teams that are relatively close. Right. That if you added Deshaun Watson to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the New Orleans Saints, they're going to be right there. Uh, and I've heard the Carolina Panthers because, you know, he the, the tie of playing at Clemson in mm -hmm. the Carolinas um, makes some sense, especially if you include Christian McCaffrey in the deal. Um but I mean, if he goes to if he goes to Tampa Bay, depending on what they have to give up, they're still situated with a lot of talent there. Um, that they'd be right back in Super Bowl contention to me, as well as in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. The who has the assets to actually give up? You know, it's just a matter of how many number ones you want to give up. Exactly. Now, if you're Houston, though, do you want to take the Tampa Bay number ones, which are going to be towards the end of the right, or and New Orleans for that matter? It's going to be towards the end of the first round. Or what kind of players would be involved to entice you to make this kind of deal? Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. But if this had been dropped, if the, the charges had not been uh, placed on him a week ago, he would have had more option because Denver Broncos was a definite option for Deshaun Watson last year before all of this took place. So that's that's uh, that's really, really interesting to see with Deshaun Watson. And then we mentioned the Khalil Mack trade. He goes from the Bears to the Chargers. Everyone is loading up on quarterbacks. They have their quarterbacks. So they figure if we're going to have all the quarterbacks in our division, then we got to have somebody to sack them. And they go for Khalil Mack. 
All they had to do is give up a second round pick and a sixth round pick. They do have to absorb the remaining three years and 64 million. Um, minimal risk, though, to me, if you're a Charger fan. I, I agree with that, especially when you have a order, when your franchise quarterback is still on his rookie deal. Uh, you, you can call that basically a wash. So uh, to me, that's a good move on this on the Chargers side. Yeah, they they um, they signed Mike Williams to three years, sixty million. They're still going after J.C. Jackson from the Patriots. So now you have Bosa and Mack. If Mack can stay healthy, that's a very formidable defensive line. Um, man, that AFC West is going to be just crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be like what the NFC West was. Me, I love me Russell Wilson. But the more people we can get out of our division, the better. If you take a look at the NFC now, Ernie, I mean, and and, and maybe people think that I'll, I'll be a homer because I'm a Rams fan. But I see Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I see Dak and the Cowboys, although they're losing some pieces. Amari's gone. Demarcus Lawrence is gone. Okay. Randy Gregory's gone. They're trying to retool some things. And I see Matt Stafford and the Rams as head and shoulders right now above everyone else now we don't know what's going to shake out in free agency but the migration of quarterback talent is all in the afc right right it's making the nfc much more winnable for my rams yeah i would i i I would say i would say that that is uh you know a favorable thing for you know your rams uh but moves have yet to be made i mean it's still early the you know we haven't even hit the draft side but you know, when everything clears out, you know, all, all the dust settles. I mean, then we can actually make our, our you know, predictions on who is the favorite from each conference. But I would say at this point in time, hey, it's better to lose them to the AFC than not. I mean, it, but you know what? Let's see if 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 the if the Sean switches to the to the NFC, and we don't know, we don't know. And I'm just just one more team to throw out there, you know, based upon your premise that. You know, draft stock and where you're positioning yourself to get those number one picks uh, might be in play. I've been told that the Giants are going to be wanting to pick up a quarterback. Well, I heard that they're looking at Mitch Trubisky because of the tie to their new coach who had him for the last year in Buffalo. So maybe he knows something um, that the rest of the league doesn't know. They Mm -hmm. made it clear that they don't want Deshaun Watson. their ownership group is very conservative, and I don't think they want to deal with the chaos that's going to come with Deshaun Watson. Um, but I do hear they're very interested in bringing in Mitch Trubisky because Brian Dable had a lot of success, apparently, with him the last year coaching him up in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, that, I mean, that that's something that could be... You know, one other, one other trade that I heard uh, in passing today that does make some sense is Arizona... Kyler Murray, right. not very happy, right. from Texas. Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson. You trade problems for each other. Wow. Um, Kyler Murray is still under his rookie deal, although he wants to get big money. Deshaun Watson's already on the big money. Would you trade Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson? Now, I don't think Houston would trade them one for one. I think they'd want further assets. Um would you do that? I would, would. I would definitely. If you're Arizona, you would give up Kyler Murray to get Deshaun Watson. I would. I would, especially right now that uh, you. Well, I. I don't know how deep this uh, strife goes. Uh, you know, if it's if it's Kyler Murray and you know how he affects the locker room. Uh, that's that's something to be made of, especially when they started off so well 
and they dropped off a cliff after that. So every year, that that really that really concerns me. I, I don't want that to happen, though. Let's be clear. I don't want Deshaun Watson anywhere in the NFC West. <laughs> I, I just don't. Right, but I could see. I could definitely see that happening. But th- it would make sense. I mean, because from Houston's perspective, they'd be getting a number one pick, a mm-hmm. big asset from Texas back in that deal. For Arizona, at best, they're staying level and they're getting rid of this problem. Right. So it does make some sense. I don't think it's going to happen, but it does make some sense. So let's talk real briefly about Carson Wentz and uh, his trade from the Indianapolis Colts to the Commanders who didn't get Russell Wilson, settled for Carson Wentz. Your thoughts on this trade? I, I, I like the trade considering when it, uh, you know how it, how it happened. I mean... Yes, the the commanders were you know licking their chops trying to get uh, you know Aaron Rodgers, uh, but I don't think Carson Wentz is that bad of a product. I think he's a product of who he was surrounded by his coaches. You know, Indianapolis only gave him a year. He wasn't there to be stabilized. If if he was in this year's draft, he'd be a top five draft pick. Yeah, he'd be the first I, pick I, again. I, I mean. Uh, the the guy's measurables are there. It's just what happened after that his you know inaugural year in Philadelphia, and then it it, ha- it has to do with the surroundings. Maybe it has to do with uh, you know and injuries. I mean, he that, has been nicked up. That and the fact to me it, it comes. I, I I read a report one time that you know this is a guy he came from was it South Dakota State or something mm-hmm. some North Dakota State North Dakota some it was a small school where you know what all he was getting was praise praise praise. Same school as Trey Lance. Philadelphia. Philadelphia booed Santa Claus. Yeah, they'll eat you they'll, up and spit they, you out. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what happened over here. He had kind of had a, a slight research. Well, the problem was he got hurt. He was going to win the MVP, but he gets hurt, and Nick Foles right. leads them to the title. Right. And that was the beginning of the end for Carson Wentz yeah. and his relationship with the Philadelphia fans. Yeah, but I think if Washington, you know, beat, pumps them up, and, you know, there's nowhere, there's nowhere to go but up. When you're on the commanders right now, I mean that's to me that's that's not as a high level pressure situation, you know, like uh, you know when you when you come off your you know your inaugural year and your team goes to the Super Bowl uh, in Philadelphia. So I think that might be a you know a favor. I wouldn't let's just say this: I wouldn't be surprised if Carson Wentz succeeds. In Washington. So from Washington's perspective, I really like this deal. They didn't have to give up much. They right. were going to give up the house to yes. get Russell Wilson. Right. They didn't have to do that. So they give up a couple of third round draft picks, apparently. Um, bring him in to compete with Tyler Henneke. You know, when you're giving up only a couple of third round picks, you're not giving the job to Carson Wentz. You probably expect him to take the job, but you're not necessarily giving the job to him. There's going to be a healthy competition there, which is probably good for Carson Wentz, right. you would think. Here's my problem with what the Colts did. Carson Wentz has been made the scapegoat for the last two games. You know, losing to the Raiders and then losing to the Jaguars in just that disastrous of a game in Week 17. But I always revert back to the fact that he had COVID the week of the Raider game. He comes out on Monday with COVID. At this time, it's Omicron, so he only has to sit out five games and then he plays. And then he played the next week. And he didn't play well. Mm -hmm. But Omicron affects people in different ways. Especially an unvaccinated player like he was. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, 
If you're a quarterback and you're a little foggy, which which the coronavirus can make you, and you take a split second longer to make your reads or to hang on to the ball, all of a sudden, instead of a completion, you're throwing an interception. Instead of getting rid of the ball, you're taking a strip sack. And that's kind of what happened. So I think he's taking so much of the blame for the last two games that I believe the having COVID had an impact on him. I think it's a mistake by the Colts. Yeah. I, I don't think that what they got in return for him, yes, they give up the $28 million for him. They have nothing right now unless they have another idea in mind, whether it be a Garoppolo or a Trubisky mm-hmm. or someone else that they think can make a difference there. Um, I think Carson Wentz, even with the two bad games, ended up with 27 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. That's a pretty good year yeah. when you're not asked to do much because Jonathan Taylor was going gangbusters. Um I think this is a good deal for the Commanders. Very little downside. I don't know how big the ceiling is, but it's certainly no risk for them. And he gets to play against the Eagles twice next year as well. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree with you. I, like I said, I, I, I would expect the bounce back from Washington. I think this is something that fell in their laps, and good for them. And I, you know, I, I, I hope Carson Wentz does, does well just to prove his detractors wrong. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. By the time I get back and we get to record again, the the free agency season would have been open, and maybe by then we'll know who's gonna be the quarterback of your Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. But what a week! I mean, this week was just nuts in NFL talk. It was crazy. Let's jump into the NBA. There's not a whole lot that I want to talk about right now. Your Celtics continue to make their ascension to the top. But there was a lot of anticipation last night in Philadelphia with the Brooklyn Nets coming to town. Tickets going for thousands of dollars (laughs) just to boo yeah, ben Simmons, which is just nuts in and of itself. There's no way. How pathetic is your life that you would be willing to spend one to $2,000 to sit there and boo somebody? I mean, that's pretty pathetic. But man, it did not happen the way the fans in Philadelphia expected. Your thoughts? No, and I, and I think that riled up Kyrie Irving and it riled up uh, Kevin Durant, especially when Embiid went off on him earlier. They had a little, you know chitty chat in the beginning of the first quarter you know i thought it was gonna i was i thought it was actually gonna well i didn't think it was gonna come to fisticuff because Embiid would definitely win that against the slim reaper but it it lit a fire it lit a fire and i think with Kyrie getting booed in boston it lit a fire under him and he's he's gonna want to defend uh ben simmons on top of that so Kyrie just continues off of he would he the previous game, Kyrie was uh, 9 of 12 on three-pointers, and I think he went off again. Kevin Durant was the same Kevin Durant. And here's the thing with the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't think they have a second team, you know, because once uh, once that lead was built, they just kept on building and building and building. Uh, you know, yes, yes, the Embiid had his shots, but Harden was... Harden not was hard. three for eighteen. He was, not. and after a great start, he was rubbish. And then Tyrese Maxey, who looked like he was ready to be a superstar, what he had like seven, eight points yeah, last night. Was, it he, was a uh, he was terrible. I, I thought it was going to be a big Philadelphia coming out party, and man, the reverse happened. No, and that, that's what happens to me. That was that the emotion on this whole thing 
played exactly the way that I believe the Nets wanted it to play. They were motivated, and the big disappointment came out on the Philadelphia side. And when those emotions played out like that, these things happen. You know, if they, to me, I, uh, you know, if they were to be matched up again, I still think in 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 uh, who knows, maybe in the first round, that I still would put my my money on on Philadelphia even with Ben Simmons play because to me I think Ben Simmons takes away the shooting I think that the you know uh, as far as what he could contribute I, I think when they play at Philadelphia and they're gonna play in Philadelphia four times you know if it reaches a seven game series I think the I don't think Ben Simmons head will be in the game during those times you know uh, we'll see. We'll I, I see. for one hope they play in the first round. I really do because you know it's pretty obvious that immediate big rivalry between those two teams. There's so much hatred there. It's like there's there's a there's that villain atmosphere where Ben Simmons is the villain in Philadelphia. Uh, James Harden is definitely going to be the villain in Brooklyn. Uh, so that would be great must see TV to make that happen. Here's the thing though, if Kyrie can play seven games. Um, four games in Philly, he can play. The three games in Brooklyn, he can't. I think last year showed, as brilliant as KD is, he cannot do it on his own. No, and Kyrie's cannot. been playing lights out right now. But if he can't play the three games in Brooklyn, it's going to be an uphill battle for the Nets to knock off Embiid and Harden in a seven-game series. Yeah, to me. I, I, I really think I really think if the first playoff game again, uh, if the first play-in game against the Toronto Raptors, which is most, probably the most likely scenario, I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to have a hard time playing in Toronto because because Irving cannot play. Yeah. So you know what you. Who knows? They might get the eighth seed and they might have to play Miami. I think Miami right now having a, a two-game lead against the Bucks. you know, uh, with I think they have 12 games left at home to close out the season. They're in fine position to, to finish out and, the East. And this is the problem for the Nets as well. The Nets has fi- have 15 games left, only four of those on the road. So Kyrie can't play 11 of the remaining 15 games. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a difficult situation for the Nets. It I is. mean, they're going to be lucky to get in. They'll get into to the tournament, and then we'll go from there. Um, but, man, Kyrie looks fresh. I mean, it's it's easy to look fresh when you play, like, 14 games this year. You know, so he's <laughs> yeah. certainly going to be fresh. Um, but, I mean, that's crazy. So just real quick, Ernie, right now, as, as before we get into March Madness, I do want to touch real quick on the MVP favorites with a month to go. This is how I see it. You can give me your feedback. Mm-hmm. I still think Joel Embiid is probably the favorite right now, but very, very close um, with Nikola Jokic right there having another incredible week. Giannis, I think, is three. John Moran, I think, is four. I think Luka is now up to fifth. And I think DeMar DeRozan has dropped a little bit with the Bulls losing a little bit more. They did win one recently, but I think they're starting to fade. And I think with that, his his candidacy fades. So I see it as really Embiid and Jokic right now in a two-man race with Giannis uh, and John Morant right after that. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I would actually be leaning more towards Jokic. And, you know, with Harden in there... I think uh, you know MB kind of cools down, cools off a could little be. bit. Could be. I mean, could you know? be. So I, I, I think actually, in my opinion, I, I would actually favor favor Jokic to win the war. But it's a, it's a two man race. I mean, uh, Giannis has played well. I don't think this is the year that he he tries for it. Morant, uh, I think he, you know what, the Memphis Grizzlies when he was out were ten and twelve without him. So I think that takes away from Morant. I, I if if Morant finishes. Fourth, to me, that style points, you know. 
uh, he's a great player, but I, you know what, a couple, a couple of more years uh, for for Morant. I think he comes actually in fifth. The Rosen, he's been playing, he's been you know playing well, but you know recency bias with the uh, Chicago Bulls struggling right now. Who knows? Maybe he drops the fifth. Yeah. So maybe Morant does stick around with number, you know, at the number four position. But to me, I agree with you. Two man race. You you. You pick and beat. I'm I'm going for Jokic. I mean, I I like Jokic. So I, either way, it could be. Uh, I mean, Jokic has the better PER, um, and Beat has the better record at this point in time. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But there's still time. There's still 15 games, and who knows? Russell Westbrook could still win the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, AD could win Defensive Player of the Year. That's true. And Frank Vogel will be the Coach of the Year. We're gonna sweep the awards. <laughs> with the Lakers now the only thing I'll say about the Lakers is we hit another low every week there's another low we lose to the Houston Rockets oh, in terrible. overtime 139 130 139 to the Houston Rockets who has one win in in like the last uh, decade it's just crazy how the Lakers find ways to stoop to new lows but <laughs> earning March Madness um again gang we're recording on Friday so we're not going to be able to get our full... We're not going to know what the brackets are when the show comes out on Monday. Here's what we're going to do. Tune in to our social media pages on Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. We will release our brackets to you by next week, Wednesday, before the full tournament starts on Thursday. Uh, but for now, Ernie, let's just talk about what is going on. My Gonzaga Bulldogs on Monday one wrapped up the, I mean, on Tuesday wrapped up the West Coast Conference with a hard fought victory over St. Mary's. Um, my Michigan Wolverines blow a 17 point lead with 12 minutes left <laughs> against Indiana. But it has been, as we talked about last week, this week already has been complete chaos yeah. with upset after upset after upset yeah it's crazy i mean uh auburn lost today uh they came back and they had a huge deficit at halftime they uh you know they they make a valiant comeback but not enough so they lose you know in, in the semifinals. they're not even gonna be in the finals <laughs> no they're that this is the quarterfinals yeah, exactly. it's not even the semifinals they lost to a play-in team although texas a&m is playing really well they're trying to play their way into the tournament but auburn loses in the quarterfinals baylor loses to oklahoma yesterday in the right. quarterfinals um you know, Indiana, after upsetting Michigan, upsets the number one seed Illini in the Big Ten tournament. Michigan State upsets the number two seed Wisconsin in the Big Ten tournament. So in the Big Ten semifinals now, you have number nine Indiana, number five Iowa, number seven Michigan State. And who knows? Penn State is playing Purdue right now. Um, you could have the seven, the fifth seed as the highest remaining seed. And this is the first time in Big Ten tournament history that the number one and the number two lose this early. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's the chaos that it is this year in NCAA basketball. And I expect that to continue. This is going to be a trend that uh, I believe, because there's really no one team out there that dominates. Uh, you know, like last year it was Baylor and Gonzaga. And I think, uh, you know, and they both deservedly made the finals. I don't think you can say that this year. To me... Uh, just looking at, at let's, I mean, if we take the number one seeds right now from ESPN's bracketology, I mean, you got Gonzaga there, Arizona there, Kansas and Baylor. I, I'm not confident that any of the four may make it. And then, and then you look at uh, let, let's let's call it a number four seed. I mean, you got you got Arkansas, you got Providence, 
UCLA, who was who was in the Final Four last year, you know, and Illinois. I mean, t- to me, that that has just as much chances as the number one seed. So it's anybody's ball game this year. And the conference tournaments have really proved that. I mean, uh, it looks like Kentucky's going to hang on and, and beat Vanderbilt. They're up 74-59 with 18 seconds left. I think... In terms of the number one seeds, as you refer to bracketology with Joe Lunardi, I mean, right now you have Gonzaga as the top overall seed. That's not going to change because their conference tournament is already done. Arizona is a number one. And then they have two Big 12 teams with Baylor and Kansas. I'm not sure the Big 12 is going to get two number one seeds. I think that if Kentucky can win the SEC, I think Kentucky will take Baylor's number one seed assuming Kansas wins the Big 12 tournament. And Kansas has looked awesome so far in the Big 12 tournament. So I think that that could shake out. But at the end of the day, you're talking about just reversing. Maybe Baylor goes from a 1 to a 2. Kentucky goes from a 2 to a 1. Arizona looks to be pretty solid, even if they slip up. Right now, it's 51-50 in the second half against Colorado. I think they're a lock to be a number one seed. Um, but so many things. Providence, the number one seed in the Big East tournament, loses by 27 points today in the semifinals to Creighton. It is going to be just crazy madness in March, and that's not good news for my Gonzaga Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if there's any time to not want to be a number one seed, this to me, this is the year. I, I, I can actually see no number ones, and it wouldn't surprise me, no number one seed uh, makes, the, makes the, that final four. But let, let's spend a little bit of time. Again, we're going to spend a little bit of time just kind of going through. I mean, Ernie alluded to some of the brackets, uh, some of the projected seedings that we're talking about here. Um, and we're not necessarily going to seed teams, but I do want to revisit the fact. Last week we threw out, like I threw out four names that I was intrigued by, Gonzaga, Duke, Auburn, and Wisconsin. I'm going to kind of rescind some of that because since then, Wisconsin. Duke is still winning. They're in the finals of the ACC tournament, but they have not looked good against Syracuse. They did not look good against Miami today. Wisconsin loses. Auburn gets blown out. And Auburn has not looked really good down the stretch. Um but let's kind of try to take a look at these teams that are playing well right now. You mentioned Tennessee last week. They didn't have a good first half, but they ended up romping today in the second round. You still like Tennessee? I, I, I like Tennessee, but I don't like them as much right now. I mean, uh, you know, I just, uh, I'm kind of wondering, you know, during, during this tournament stretch that they, if they have enough offense to actually uh, put up when, because they're, through this tournament, you're going you're gonna to face adversity. Uh, you know, when, and if you don't have enough offense, it's hard. You yeah. know, you can play defense all the time, but, you know, God knows. If you play good defense, if the other team is just hot, the basketball will go in. Yeah, and we're going to get a little bit of in, into this game because there's a statistic that is out there since the stat has been kept since 2008 that every single champion, national champion, since then has ranked in the top 20 to 25 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. And I can tell you right now, there are only four teams in the country that fall into those categories right now. But Tennessee, you mentioned them. They are really strong on the defensive side, but they mm-hmm. only rank 100 in offensive efficiency. Only? only? Yeah, only <laughs> And Wisconsin is similar. Wisconsin is at the top of the defensive efficiency, but they rank 93 in offensive efficiency. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to be able to score the ball. Right. You've got to be able to make some stops, but you still have to be able to score. Um, one team that I really like 
And you're going to be happy about this because I think they've really turned it on. They're on a six-game winning streak right now. They were a bubble team until about two weeks ago. Is your North Carolina Tar Heels. Wow. They are playing really, really well. They romped Virginia last night. Um, they're currently they're they're beating Virginia Tech tonight. I think it's going to be another Duke North Carolina showdown for the ACC championship tomorrow. And it would not surprise me at all if North Carolina beats Duke again. And this is why I think that. I think one of the things that you're kind of seeing is North Carolina is an experienced team. Duke is not. Duke is relying on freshman Paulo Banchero, freshman A.J. Griffin, fre- freshman uh, Keels, Roach, and Moore, and, and Williams. Very, very young. North Carolina has Armando Baycott. They have Caleb Love. You know, they have uh, Manic, who has been unbelievable. On the three. Yeah. You know, when yeah. he's coming over from Oklahoma. So they have a lot a lot more experience uh, at North Carolina now. They don't go deep. We talked about this last week when they played the starting fire the entire second half. So if they get into foul trouble, this could be trouble. But right now, Baycott is unstoppable. Davis is playing better than he's played ever at the point. And Manic is hitting every three that he puts up. Yeah. I really like North Carolina right now. I believe that they're going to end up beating Duke for the ACC championship and probably ending up from going from a, a bubble team to a five or six seed, I believe, that could pose problems against the right opponent. Yeah, and if they become, if they can move up, because if right now they're projected to be, I, I believe, like an eight seed. Yeah, I see them as an eight seed. So even in this bracket, Arizona's the one seed, they're an eight seed. I would pick them to beat Arizona in the second round. Wow. Because I think they're that strong right now, the way that they're wow. playing. Yeah. I mean, it depends on who that number one seed is going to be, uh, depending on what, uh, you know, which side of the bracket they're placed upon. But they're going to definitely have to move on just so they don't, uh, you know, they don't have to play uh, one of the top seeds early on in the in the competition. I think if they can get, if they can get into the Elite Eight, you know, that's where I think they're going to do damage because, again, they, they, they know that they can beat anybody in, in the country, uh, you know, just based upon tradition, you know. Very good, very good team. And I think right now they're gelling. I just, even as a North Carolina fan, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll cross my fingers, but I just don't believe that they have enough firepower to do it. Like you said, you know, when they beat Duke the other the other week, you know, in Shashevsky's uh, last game, 80-something points came from four players. Yeah, yeah, so. and that's going to be the problem. <laughs> I mean, the, the depth, the quality depth seems to be the issue there. Right. So that could be their handicap. So just real quick, gang, these are, as we speak, from Bracketology, and Joe Lenardi is the, the, the guru of this right now. Let's go through the top four seeds by region. In the West, he has Gonzaga as the one, he has Wisconsin as the two, he has Texas Tech as the three, and he has Arkansas as the four. Um, Wisconsin loses today. Do they drop from the two line to a three line? Possibly. Um, but your thoughts there? I would, I would, I would, I wouldn't argue with with that right now. Uh, but again, it it all depends on how these how these conference tournaments are really uh, really pan out, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But you're only talking about maybe a, a seat here, a seat there. Yeah. And like I said, in this year's tournament, I really don't think the conference tournaments 
uh, really matter much unless you're a bubble team. If you're one of the top a bubble team or a team or a conference that only gets one team, right? That right. Gets be, in. Be, because I, I I think if 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 you're one for just seeding, that you you can if you can easily make the finals in this type of this year because of all the chaos that's happening. I I, I think the spread between number one. And number 20 is such a fine line this year, more than in any year that we've seen. I'd go beyond that. I, I would yeah. say the difference between 1 and maybe 40 is, is yeah. pretty slim. I mean, we could see teams that are coming out of nowhere. So um, in the South right now, they have Arizona as the 1 seed, Duke as the 2 seed. Duke has an outside shot at, at jumping to a 1 if they can find a way to win the ACC. Uh, and then you have Tennessee. Your Volunteers is a three seed, and they have Providence as a four seed. Now, Providence gets rolled today by Creighton. Do they stay as a four? Probably as a Big East champ. Um, my thought my thought there, I don't see any problems with that. I mean, I don't think anything is going to really change too much from that kind of a region. The team that I really like in this region from what he has is the six-seeded St. Mary's. St. Mary's is going to give people a problem. They give Gonzaga a problem. Now, they play them three times a year, mm -hmm. so they know them really well. But their defense and their offensive efficiency is top-notch. Uh, right now, they're predicted to play Rutgers. I could see them playing Rutgers and beating them, and then they'd have Tennessee in the second round. I could see them knocking off Tennessee. I think they're going to be a problem for whoever they play. Oh, yeah, they're, def better, they're better than most people think. Oh, yeah, de definitely. And like you said, I mean, I think at, at the time that they... They upset Gonzaga. I think they were they just cracked the top twenty five, and they're, they're probably trending upwards right now. A mm -hmm. lot of confidence on the team, and mm -hmm. you know, confidence in these types of tournaments does a hell of a lot to get you further. Absolutely. So let's go out east right now. They have Baylor as the number one. I think they're in jeopardy. I think Me if too. Kentucky or Duke win their conference tournaments, I think ba Baylor gets bounced uh, to the to the two line. Kentucky's number two, Villanova's number three, Illinois is number four. I don't think Illinois' loss today drops them. You know, as a Big Ten co-champ, I think they stay at the four line. Um, if this were to stay like this, though, this is a tough region. I mean, Baylor's is nails. They're always going to be tough. Kentucky is loaded. Villanova is loaded and experienced. And Illinois is, is experienced. So that would be a tough region to me. Yeah, and to me, you know, I like Baylor. I, you know, I like the run that they made last year. I'm kind of wondering... Uh, if, uh, you know, a lot of this, uh, you know, hype on top of them was carryover from last season. I think last season's team, although their their uh, scheme is basically this, the, uh, nearly the same with, uh, uh, you know, you know, with, with, with that gang out there being more guard orientated, you know. But just different, just different guards, though. Yeah, but at the same time, they, they had their mix of guards with their mix of veterans, and I think that veteran leadership, especially in, in that championship game, really, really came out. Uh, Baylor's a good team. I just don't think they're a number one. Yeah, I mean, Baylor's a good team. They've lost They've lost some key players. I mean, they have a couple key injuries, um, but, you know, you know, Scott Drew does a great job with the Baylor Bears. I would not rule them out, but I think, as, as it states, that region is fairly tough, as is uh, the last region which is the Midwest. They have Kansas currently as the number one seed, Auburn at number two. You have Purdue at number three, UCLA at four, and Iowa at five. Iowa is playing lights out right now. I know that because they played Michigan and destroyed them, and they've destroyed everybody so far in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Keegan Murray, who's a first or second team All-American, 
who broke uh, Garza's record today for most points in a season. He's averaging over 24 points a game, nine rebounds, shooting almost 60% from the field and 50% from three. Uh, Iowa is a threat. This region, to me, if with these teams, is loaded. I could see Auburn winning it. Purdue with, with Zach Eady and Jaden Ivey mm-hmm. are incredibly talented. I could see them winning it. I'll never bet against UCLA. And like I talked about Kansas and, and Iowa, this is a loaded region to me if this is how it turns out. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think that's the, just it's talent galore. It's going to come down to who has the, the on night on top of that. Who, who plays with, the, you know, in my opinion right now, who plays, you know, with, the, you know, the, the mentality that, you know, it, it's my game to, to lose. You know, they, they, they got to come out confident. Uh, like I like like I said on top of that, I mean, and emotion again, it plays a big thing on top of this. I mean, especially during March Madness, that's why you see all the tears, you know, when 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 teams get bumped out of that. I mean, you don't see that same type of um, uh, emotion other than Giannis last year when they won that when they won, uh, but you don't see it from the losing team, you know, pretty much. And and that's what you get from, and that's why I love it so much. Because they they let it all hang out. At least the teams that rise to the top in this type of tournament, they let it all hang on top of And there's emotion. so much parity that anything can happen yeah. in any particular game. I mean, it is... Uh, oh, it's so exciting. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's, it's going to be just I'm, incredibly exciting. I am, I am, I am definitely on... on pins and needles waiting to see what that final... What the... You know, the seedings... How, how they how they they come about after selection Sunday? Well, right now they have Kansas in this Midwest region playing the Big West champion. Um, so Kansas could be in trouble if the University of Hawaii goes through and wins the Big West <laughs> because right now those those Rainbow Warriors are on a roll. Anyway, Ernie, I want to get back to what I alluded to and when I talked about teams that are at the top twenty to twenty five in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. So, gang, if you're betting people. And, and they're telling you that every single champion has been in the top 20 to 25 of both these categories. And there's only four teams right now that fall into that category. These are the four teams. Gonzaga, second in offensive efficiency, sixth in defensive efficiency. Arizona, sixth in offensive efficiency, 10th in defensive efficiency. Houston, 13th in offensive efficiency, third in defensive efficiency and UCLA 22nd in offense and 23rd on defense those are the only four teams that are in the top 25 of both categories Gonzaga made the final four last year and Houston almost made the final four last year Um, and UCLA made the final four last year so a lot of those teams had the success last year brought back a lot of the same components Arizona is the new one here. But that would be surprising. But I'm definitely going to factor this in to my predictions when I start to predict. So only four teams meet the criteria of the eventual national champion every year since 2008. Oh, that's 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 an interesting stat. I mean, that's, you know, but, you know. That's almost like a, a state team getting into the final four, <laughs> a, num- a number twelve upsetting a number five. Uh, yeah, this year is going to be. I mean, it's a very interesting stat. I think that probably probably one of the more prevalent ones. You know, other than the ones that I you know jokingly mentioned. On top of that, 
but it, it's 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 to me this year why that might not be as much this year than it was in years past is that there are just so many teams that could have bumped in uh, been on top of that. I mean, uh, I I think I think you have to factor in. Okay, if uh, if you're top twenty, top twenty, let's just add those together. Your 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 score comes up to forty. I mean, who's to say that somebody who is like ten and forty, or or let's say I'm sorry, like five and thirty-five, isn't the same? You know, so we'll see how that we'll see how that. But very interesting. If that stat holds up true, I'll be a believer. And if you talk about offensive efficiency, the number one offensive efficiency team is somebody that Ernie kind of likes as, as a sleeper team. South Dakota State, the number one offensive like efficiency them. team. Uh, and let, let's round out the top 10 here. Some very recognizable names and some surprises. Gonzaga's two, we talked about. Purdue is three. Iowa is four. We talked about their offensive prowess. Duke is five. Arizona six. Kentucky seven. And then you have Vermont, Toledo, and Davidson. So a lot of big names there in the top seven. Let's switch over to defensive efficiency and your top 10 teams there. San Diego State, Texas Tech, no surprise. Houston, who we talked about. VCU, LSU, Gonzaga, your Tennessee, our daughters, Grand Canyon, Antelopes, Auburn, and Arizona. So who knows? I mean, there's some big names in there and some good teams in there. So I could see, I could see some of these things happening. So anything else you want to talk about in in March Madness before I get into my closing thought? There's, there's, there's too many things that (laughs) this show would be way too long. So why don't we, uh, uh, you know, table that until, until our, our, you know, our next podcast. So we'll spend a lot of time next week, Sunday going through, of course, the first two rounds uh, would have already taken place. So again, Make sure you check out our social media page this week. We will have our brackets out there. And then we want your guys' picks. You know, you don't have to post full brackets. We definitely want to know who your final four teams are, who your national champion is going to be. Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Check us out on Wednesday for the release of our brackets before the full tournament starts on Thursday. So, Ernie, you know me and my lists. So mm-hmm. for my closing thought, before the tournament gets started, I wanted to look back and reminisce on, I believe, are the five greatest individual efforts in March Madness history. So I'm going to go this from reverse order back. I'm going to start with number five. To me, 1989, my Michigan Wolverines, the last time they won a championship, was led by a sharpshooter, Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice went for 184 points in those six games, averaging 31 points a game. He was lights out every single game. And Ramil Robinson hits the free throws at the end, and Michigan knocks off Seton Hall, and Michigan wins their last title. And it's been 33 years since then, and it don't look like it's going to change this year. I can't believe it's been that long. It's it's crazy. So Glenn Rice is number five. You cannot have any kind of a list to me that involves NCAA basketball and not have the greatest college basketball player in history to me. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Alcindor, as he was called back then. In 1968, he averaged 25.6 points and 18.8 rebounds a game as UCLA rolled through March Madness, blowing everybody out on their way to another championship. Now, number three is maybe it's a little bit of recency bias. 
and I'm sure you're not going to agree with this based on his production with the Boston Celtics in the last <laughs> year or so before getting jettisoned off. But Kemba Walker put together one of the most incredible he NCAA did. runs back in 2011. And it started back in the Big East tournament where they weren't expected to win there. And he hit last second shot after last second shot. And he goes for 23 and a half points, six rebounds, six assists, six assists leading Connecticut to a national championship. Yeah. I mean, he was phenomenal he was. that he, year. He was, and you couldn't, you couldn't, you, you love that guy. I mean, I love that guy. You know, I saw, it, I, you know, I had, I had flashbacks when Boston, you know, picked him up, but yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't that Kemba Walker. <laughs> yeah, and then number two for me is Magic Johnson, my favorite player of all time, who I invited to my wedding. You still didn't show up. <laughs> Um, but in 1979, in the game that really changed basketball to me, Magic against Larry Bird in the finals in 1979, one of the most watched games in NCAA history, and then their rivalry as they got into the NBA. But Magic led the Michigan State Spartans that year, averaging 22 points, 11 assists, 9 rebounds. He had two triple-doubles in a day where triple-doubles really wasn't happening. Um, the weird part, as I alluded to before, I was cheering for Larry Bird in that final <laughs> until Magic Johnson got drafted. But Magic was just lights out. And because of the importance of that game, uh, that's why I have him at number two. Number one... This is the championship that I believe was the only one that I can remember. And I remember this because I was an Oklahoma fan back then. This is when Wayman Tisdale was playing for Oklahoma. And that was the finals. Danny Manning taking the six-seeded Kansas Jayhawks and literally putting them on his back, single-handedly winning the national championship, was the single greatest March Madness feat I can remember. And man, was I uh, irate because I was a huge Wayman Tisdale fan back then. <laughs> he averaged 27 points, 9.3 rebounds. And if you watch, if you remember, if you're old enough to remember that tournament, he just was instrumental in making every single play in all six games leading up to that national championship. So Danny Manning winning the 88 championship single-handedly, in my opinion, on his way to being the number one draft pick. He didn't have the greatest NBA career. I think a disappointing career with injuries. But that's my top five. Glenn Rice in 1989. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 68. Kemba Walker in 2011. Magic Johnson in 79. Danny Manning in 1988. Obviously, I'm not going to go back too far. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, there is some recency bias here. I almost put Carmelo Anthony in here. His freshman year from Syracuse that was, was, a was run. huge. That was a run. He had an incredible run as well. But I think he had spurts. I didn't think he had the consistent six games that some of these guys had. So your thoughts on this, this? Is there somebody that I missed that you thought had spectacular March Madness? Not, not, not that I can recall. That's a pretty good list. Uh, Danny Manning, I, you know what? I can't, I can't remember the Magic Johnson, uh, you know, led team against Larry Bird, uh, you know, at Indiana State. I only remember their their uh, championships. I mean, their their meetings afterwards. You know, as as a Laker Celtic, uh, their Laker Celtic rivalry. But I, I or or Lou Alcindor. I, I'm I'm only gonna go based upon the you know the UCLA lore when they won their what ten in a row back then. But I remember the rest. I remember Glenn Rice. That was that was great. I remember Danny Manning. 
You know, and I remember Kemba Walker with that, which is well, weird. the Danny Manning and the and the Glenn Rice are back to back years. It just mm-hmm. happened to be back to back years. Mm-hmm. But Kemba Walker, that I mean, that yeah. was a great run. So, you know, that makes it very interesting. Who? So those those great players. I mean, if if you look at it in 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 uh, you know, uh, at at today's step at uh, you know in today's particular game, who who's it who's it gonna be? I mean, your 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 number one pick from this last year, Kate Cunningham, uh, they didn't make the final four. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, let's say the who was who was the year before that. I mean, I don't think they. Maybe they did, but. You know, I can't remember in most recent times where one guy actually carried made, a team, carried a team, yeah. especially in the way that those guys did. So, you know what? If if you know if if somebody like Ivy out of Purdue can do it, I mean, you, you know. And again, it's a different world now. I mean, we're in a one and done era, and that's right. that's kind of eliminated with a, with freshmen. You're gonna have inconsistency, and with what these guys had was consistency. Six games of domination game after game after game um which which makes you know certainly a difference in today's day and age it could be anyone and you're right Jaden Ivey could be I mean um Carson Carson Edwards yeah Carson Carson Edwards from Purdue averaged like 35 points a game in the tournament a couple of years back yeah and And when they almost made a run to 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 the final four I I believe they made it to the I believe the elite eight that was that wasn't that wasn't crazy I mean and when the Celtics picked them up I was like wow I mean, Steph Curry had an incredible run, averaging 35 points a game his uh, his junior year before coming back. But for me, if you didn't win the national championship, you couldn't be on this list. You had to end with the national championship yeah. to get the recognition of being on, on this list for me. Yeah. So for this year, hopefully that person will be either Drew Timmy or Chet Holmgren <laughs> for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. <laughs> Being that Michigan, Michigan is... I give up on Michigan already for this year. I mean, you never know. They could be like anyone else. They could get on a winning streak and win six in a row, but it just doesn't seem really likely right now. They've been on 12 straight games, Ernie, of win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one for 12 consecutive games. In the tournament... That means you're out in the second round because <laughs> you, can't, you can't go to the end. At best. Uh, they're off a loss now, so they'll probably win their first game and lose their second game. But, but gang, what an amazing show. This is such a fun show because we got to talk a lot about March Madness. The NFL shocked me this week with so much activity in mega deals. I mean, we're talking about historical NFL deals with Russell Wilson being traded for eight players. Uh, Aaron Rodgers re-signing for $200 million, $50 million a year, if that's right. Carson Wentz being traded. Khalil Mack being traded. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Still What's going to happen yeah. with him in the next week or so? That's going to come out. And then the big game with the Nets in Philly. Is that a preview of the first round of the uh, NBA playoffs? Could be. Uh, what an amazing week. And yet again, it's only Friday. Yeah. A lot more to be, a lot more to come. All right, gang. So a a reminder, we're recording this Friday. We're releasing this Monday. Tune back on our social media pages. Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter on Wednesday. Our brackets will be released then. Then you take those picks and you go straight to uh, (laughs) FanDuel or one of those betting websites and lay your mortgage on our selections. Guaranteed to make you 
broke. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gang, until next week, we appreciate you all. Share the, the podcast with all of your friends and family. We are determined to make this the greatest and most entertaining show out there. Until next week, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Mm-hmm.